Well, Kate and I were, I think, tweeting at each other, as we are apt to do, about comic book related things. And we were talking about cover artists. Do you remember, Kate? Was it Jenny Frisian that we were <laughs> it like? It was Jenny Frisian. Yeah. I, I tweeted about, can we please have a podcast about the beauty and glory that is Jenny Frisian? The, the gift to comics, if you will, that is Jenny Frisian's art. And here we are. So tweets matter, people. They move, they move and shake the world. <laughs> yes, we tweeted about something <laughs> and then we did the thing. It's truly magical. <laughs> it really is. It really is. But yeah, so Kate and I just started thinking about a cover is such an important part of a comic book. It is the thing that sets it apart on the newsstand, the the new comic racks um, among hundreds of others. And it's such a saturated market. It's really the thing that has to, to grab you as a, as a comic book reader. So we are going to talk today about how covers do that, some better than others, and some of our favorite artists, and how uh, cover artists face a specific challenge that's a little different from interiors. And then, of course, the dreaded heartbreak when you (laughs) select a book based on its beautiful cover, only to discover an interior artist who perhaps is not what you were expecting. Yeah. It happens too often. I hate it. And we should know better by now. That's what I, I always tell myself. Like every I time I send a, an upset message to Nick, he's like, hasn't this happened like two weeks ago? And I'm like, yes, yeah, shut up. <laughs> I think like just quick disclaimer, we do, we do realize there's lots of things that go into making your comics decision other than cover art. But when you're talking about a market right now that has like 14 different X-Men books and many of them with great writers, with great artists, I think it's still... you're still making some decisions based on covers, especially for people who browse for comics. I know that's not everyone, but, you know, sometimes that cover is what makes you pick up an extra something when you pick up your poll. So how how does that work? Yeah, I actually think that I'm more apt to impulse buy based on covers than anything else. Absolutely. Me too. So what are some of your favorite covers that are that you have impulse purchased uh the the biggest example for me where i impulse purchased the number one and then picked up the whole series was ray fox's intersect watercolor covers well watercolor comics in general but the covers stand out so much just because they're not the norm and then his have that very surreal um look with the watercolor pencil that kind of the lines bleed and it's and he uses different color. Oh, they're just so gorgeous. And they are so different from everything sitting on either side of them. You know, my shop um, has that, you know, the wall of comics where yeah. you, it's you're you're literally looking at like 90 covers at once. And his always pop. That's happening right now with Underwinter as well. I freaking love Underwinter. <laughs> and the covers are so amazing. They really are, and I hate you for talking about it on the show because now I have to buy it, and I don't have the money for all these comics, and it's all your fault. So I'm sorry. It's well, also thank you because it's awesome. But blame Ray yeah. Fox. 
It's true. Let's let's put the blame where it really lies it's instead of fighting yeah. amongst ourselves. I think the other big one um, for me recently was Civil War Two with the Frank Cho uh, graphic design covers. Yeah, those were so pretty. And there's that whole flip side of his stuff, like his sketch covers that are horrific and awful. And I don't want to like no. But his ones for the publishers tend to be super good. He ha- there's a there's like a Frank Cho Women of Marvel art book that makes oh, me want to vomit every time oh, I see it. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes, you know I think it's because covers have such a specific job to do. I I think that the it provides like a, almost a parameters that that keep a good artist kind of on the rails. It's so true, and I'm a sucker for any really minimalist graphic design type. Oh, same. Uh, so, like, the the ones he did for Civil War II were, like, old-timey wrestling matchup posters. Yeah. And they were awesome. I even have, got a poster of one of them. So... Have you seen the Nick Fury covers? I don't think so. I mean, it's new. The second issue just came out this week, but all the covers are, like, white background and then, like, a single color sort of just... Um, it almost looks like a silk screen or something. And super graphic and like really bright. It's, it's so good. It's really nice. There's an Inhumans. Uh, I don't remember which of the Inhumans comics right now, but one of them has the same type of colors as Civil War Two. And I'm like, nope. So the covers can only go so far. I'm sorry, Marvel. <laughs> so, <laughs> on the whole, I feel like Marvel covers are more visually interesting to me than DC covers. Yeah. That's fair. There's too much going on on, D- on most DC covers for me. I think that DC covers try to tell too much story. And, and the what what I think makes a beautiful cover is just a really strong, like you said, graphic that is um, succinct. And it tells me a little something about the tone of the book, but I don't need to see the story happening on the cover. Right. I think DC covers are often very nice by themselves, but when you are thinking of a piece of artwork as selling itself on a shelf amongst many covers, they they can be just way too busy to try and you know glance over stuff. And I mean, I really like the covers um, being done for Batwoman right now by oh what's yeah his name? Epting. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, that's Epting? really nice work. But again, that's it's like you're saying they can be very busy and they're telling you everything that's in that book, <laughs> and you're like, okay, it's a, just a very old fashioned yeah way of doing it. I think. Um, which maybe that's that's the thesis of DC Rebirth. Who knows? <laughs> We're doing yeah. it the old way. Well, and let's be fair to DC. This whole minisode started with those Wonder Woman covers that's done by Jenny Frisian. So Jenny Frisian is some. special. She is. She's a gift. I actually associate her most strongly with Red Sonia. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. It was during the Gail Simone days. Yeah. Yeah. Her Red Sonia covers are beautiful. My favorite one is the one where uh, Sonia's like coming up out of the water. She's got a dagger in her teeth and her mm-hmm. hair is all kind oh, I of have seen tendrils. That one. Yeah. They're just, I mean, if you can make Red Sonia's bikini, and for that matter, <laughs> for that matter, people, I am sorry, but if you know, if you can make Wonder Woman's freaking strapless bathing suit yep. look dignified, then yep. 
Good job. <laughs> she so I I first um came to love her with her revival covers. Oh, those are creepy. And I think it's they are they're so good. And so she uses her sister as her model. Like she takes photographs of her and then uses the photographs to draw the covers. Wow, Jenny Frischen's got a pretty sister then. She does. I feel like and all of the women are to, beautiful that she draws. Her sister goes to cons. And so when I, w- I was at a panel, a revival panel with Jenny Frisian on it, and her sister was in the audience, someone asked her, like, oh, do you ever get recognized? And she's like, no, but I get cold. I should cosplay her a lot. Like, people are like, oh, you would be really good at cosplaying that. I'm like, that makes sense. But that's why if you look at her covers, like M. Cypress on the covers of Revival has the same face and body type and everything as the Wonder Woman. And it's because it looks like her sister. So, But I think that's how she comes by having people, especially like so many covers. I swear to God, it's like, have you seen a female before? Have you seen how bodies move? And so hers are actually realistic looking females and in realistic poses and are often very atmospheric while it's like they they kind of broadcast the inner strength if you will instead of being super demonstrative of like look at her slugging through a wall which is what we often get for some characters when you're trying to make them look strong but like just a presence yeah they are able to convey something about the character beyond i punch things exactly and as we've said so many times before strong strong females are awesome strong females that are only strong because they punch stuff is dumb and boring it's true you know speaking of women who just punch stuff but also have feelings and (laughs) and covers that are really busy and old-fashioned i just thought of one that is like all of those things but actually really worked for me which was the america number three cover i mean all the america covers have been amazing they did like the beyonce one and mm-hmm. um and this last one it was like really old-fashioned she's punching stuff but it still was really good and so i think there's definitely a way to do it but you have to sort of th- think about like okay i'm making a statement i'm telling you about this book and I'm, I'm telling you about the the tone about the theme about the character and so if it's really thoughtfully done as a conscious choice to convey something about the book, it can be really successful. I think Joe Canonis did that cover. Oh, but, absolutely. You know, so so I don't want to like give the impression that I'm just totally against old fashioned covers or punching things like you can do it well. Just don't fall back on it because it's the formula. Yeah, and and to be completely fair, that happens to guy characters all the time too. Oh sure, where yes. it's like it's a Batman cover. Well, just have him slugging something. Okay, I for America number one, I spent all the money on the McKelvey variant because I know God bless him. It's so I know. good. You can't you can't pass up a McKelvey variant. Well, often you can because they're often priced so high. <laughs> but Are in they? this case, it was, yeah. well, at least in my budget. Yeah. Um, he's, especially more and more recently, he's getting popular enough that he they're like, here's the one that's like 20 bucks. That's that's how much I paid for America. So I hate when shops do that. I mean, I, I understand yeah. they have their own dilemma that, in, you know, gives them incentive to do that. We have done a whole show about variant covers and the pros and cons of them. So, you know, we won't get into that too much here. This is more about just covers in general. I think we variant covers can be useful, but they also have their problems. And definitely one of them is shops feeling the need to mark them up to $20. 
Yep. Like, just buy a print. <laughs> it's true. You know? It's true. It's the same content on the inside. Anyway, so, okay. Can you think of any examples of covers that were just glorious and you couldn't live without the book and then you got it home and you were like, doh, because the inside just, <laughs> it wasn't uh, beautiful on the inside. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, so many times. And then I was trying to brainstorm specific examples because those are usually like the throwaway ones where I'm just like, well, this exists in my box now forever, but I don't keep going. And so then it kind of fades from memory until I make the same mistake again. But I will say recently, um, the, oh shoot, what's the name of the, the, okay, Julian Totino Tesedco, I am sure I butchered that last name, guys, and I'm sorry, but he, uh, he's doing the Hawkeye covers right now, and oh, the first yeah. few issues of Hawkeye were rough. Now, it's much better, and power through the first one or two, it, it gets a lot better, but I was really disappointed with that. The interior art remains kind of meh, but the story has really gotten, and writing has gotten a lot better. Um, but with the first issue, it was just like, are you kidding? And the the covers are so gorgeous. They're like that oil paint kind of cover, a yeah. la um, Del Mundo. And they're kind of uh, post movie poster-ish with, yeah. you know, what she's up to now. And they are fantastic for telling you exactly what's going on in the book and without being super busy and all over the place and i love them but that I mean, was the that was one recently there i was like oh i don't know if i can and then i switched to digital and i'm glad i kept going so yeah you know for me i it, i'm at the point where if a cover isn't striking in some way but i still want to read the book i'll just read it digitally but if yeah. but if i want the the book to read but i also want the cover that's when i buy in print Yep. Yeah, I do that too. And I will not, not very often, but sometimes pick up covers, uh, you know, floppies for books I read in print with every now and then there's that cover that I'm like, okay, fine. Because I want that particular cover in real life to have and hold and yeah. display. Yeah. So going back to Hawkeye, I think that the David Aha hawkeye run is just you know such a spectacular example of like graphic design beautiful yeah. graphic design so perfect yeah and matt hollingsworth too needs like many many props for his color work because yes. that the color story in hawkeye to this day i mean everything about hawkeye is that color palette even though i mean purple has always been a hawkeye thing yeah but, but not that same yeah yeah it, his like weird purple and turquoise like West mm-hmm. Coast Avenger dress thing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was like not the same. Well, and he was much more of a royal purple before. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, he definitely changed the color palette and then brought it down like kind of more muted and less colors and if, if you modernized it. Yeah, if you ever have the chance, go read what he wrote about picking the color palette for that aha run and how he worked He's like, how can I do this in the fewest colors possible? Like, do it in this entire, you know, floppy, and then would go from there. It's great. And it's yeah, incredible. I think color is a huge part of cover art too, because the best sketches in the world are designed in the world if it doesn't have color that it not necessarily pops. I mean, really bright and vibrant colors covers can be really cool, but dynamic covers that um, like there's was a vision cover by Del Mundo that's vision surrounded by. Um, a couple different versions of 
uh, Scarlet Witch. And it's like just this gorgeous, silky red with his him in the center. And oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, that and was the Michael Walsh issue. That issue is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then the Black Bolt that just came out, Black Bolt number oh, one. Oh, God, yes. Who did the cover where it's like almost all black and then just the symbol of his... Christian Ward, oh, who's also so doing perfect. interiors. Christian yeah. Ward is perfect. He's, he's another incredible. He's another one of those, those like watercolory, but I think he, do, he does digital art, but it's that style of of, paint, mm-hmm. of painting, you know, and it's it's luscious and, and vibrant and trippy and beautiful. I also would put uh, Stephanie Hans and Kevin Wada in that category. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, they actually paint. I think Stephanie Hans used to paint more digitally and now she paints more traditionally sometimes. But, you know, there's just there's just something to be said, I think. And I could see how it could get really difficult to do in interiors like that all the time like i don't know when christian ward has time to sleep eat no do, you know like same with del mundo is yeah like, inevitably they can't inevitably you end up with filler artists and you just have to know that going in that this is going to happen because it does it can't last like kevin water so. doesn't do interiors yeah that makes sense he only does covers and so that you know his like i would buy like every single one of his she hulk covers for the i think it was charles souls run and but then like the interiors and the here's the other thing too because like it's not that i hated the interiors or that they're objectively bad like they're fine they're good I'm sure some people love them but for me they're so disparate from the style and the tone and the aesthetic that Kevin Wada has that you're just like what the shit is this like this is not what I thought I was buying yeah yeah well for me okay different art style okay we we can still talk if it's a different color palette between the interior and the cover get out i, I that makes me so mad <laughs> you're so I, like, sensitive this is to colors completely different well no it just starts it, actually for the longest time i couldn't figure out what was putting me on and then i had to like stop and look at it and yeah you know, I was like, okay this is what but it just that rubs me the wrong way because that's that is color palette speaks more to tone than i feel like than anything else does and if you have something totally different, it's just, it's really hard. And I don't mean like the exact same colors. I mean like just the palette you're working off of. If you're in different, completely different, then just no. I think what you're ta- when we were talking about interiors versus covers, that comes to a really good point about some of the best cover artists are pretty horrific on interiors. Um, because it's a very different thing you're trying to achieve with a cover. The cover is a static image and... Oftentimes you get cover artists that aren't very good at showing motion in a dynamic, you know, comic strip form. Like I love Del Mundo's covers. His interiors can be really hit or miss. Like the Avengers that he's currently doing or was recently doing. I don't know if he's still on that. But that was that that was a prime example of this is why we like him on covers. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, so I- hard to tell what's happening in those. I love Stephanie Hans because she's so good at both. And, and I actually, I, I got to talk to her last year about this and about the different mindset you have to mm-hmm. get into. Oh, what did she say? I mean, you know, basically what we've been talking about that, you know, you just, you really have to switch from thinking about telling a story and moving through the story beats and how to convey 
time and movement versus, you know, just like a really iconic static image. She brought up the uh, cover that she did for a journey into mystery issue where, where Loki is on the cover and he's doing the L on his forehead. Mm-hmm. And like cosplayers do that now when yeah, they're cosplaying Kid Loki, yeah. you know? So it's so it's so interesting that she was so good at synthesizing the the tone and the story and the character. She just made this image, this like symbol, and now it's just become synonymous with that character. But then if you look at the interiors, like she did probably one of the most poignant issues of that entire run which I, I it's toward the end um it's like maybe the penultimate issue or like it's around the end and it's interesting because even in that story there's pinups and the pinups are like they're very impactful like they need to be there but then you know it also just she moves through the story so well i think she recently did some bat stuff Bad stuff. <laughs> Everyone does bad stuff, man. There's a million bad books. I know. They're like X books. They're just everywhere. They're everywhere. I cannot keep them straight. Was it a cat? Was was it when he was like doing the yeah, doing yeah, the do with the Catwoman? Right. That was the two the issue Catwoman yeah. arc. That you are correct. That was Stephanie Hans. Anyway, <laughs> Diamond Sex. Oh, still love those books. <laughs> oh dear. I think, yeah, she does a really good job, at, like, she and a couple, with the really iconic characters on the cover, and then there's other cover artists, well, I don't know that I've been called Tyler Jenkins a cover artist, he does interiors and then does the covers for his own books, but he t- takes the tactic of, he'll basically is showing the the scenery, like, there may or may not be a character relevant to the story on his cover, he is just setting the tone and atmosphere of what's inside. Like, if you look at the Grass Kings number one that he did, which Grass Kings has covers by him and Kent, and they both do watercolors, so it's easy to mix them up. So, <laughs> um, I also always mix them them both up with Jeff Lemire. Yes, because watercolors. I know. Because watercolors everywhere. Everywhere. The big difference, Lemire and Jenkins have very different sketch styles. So, like, they both yeah. have their own very cartoony look, but it's different type style. And so that one is slightly easier for me. The the Kint versus Jenkins, I feel like, is slightly closer. But regardless, yeah, when you're, you're like, it's a watercolor comic, which of these three guys? Because Fox is a much different, more bleeding, He's surreal He's got look. his own thing, yeah. for sure. Right. But anyway, like there, there is not a single character in the story on the cover of Grass Kings number one, which I think is a really interesting choice because usually you're setting up like these are our main people and this is the, it's just looking looking down the lane in the road between these kind of makeshifty shelters that are part of their trailer park kingdom with like a character like an old lady kind of looking into the distance away from the camera and or. I guess it's not the camera in this case. What do you call the f- the viewer in a comic? The the viewer. Yeah. The okay. Reader? So looking. Yeah. So yeah. looking away from the viewer down this kind of open lane into this open, kind of cloudy white sky, into the distance, and it's just this. Oh, it sets the tone so perfectly and the atmosphere so perfectly. And he did the same thing with his Snowblind covers. If you. If you didn't read the Boom miniseries Snowblind, friends, so good. Treat yourself. Yes, it's only four issues, and it's 
incredible. And I, I see it at a lot of shops now where they, you can get it bundled for like eight bucks. So he did the same thing with that, where it's very setting the atmosphere of this Alaskan town that this whole mystery was taking place in and the kind of the pressure and burden kind of bearing down on the town and the characters as it get you move through the story. And, oh, so good. I mean, I think that a lot of the cover's job, but it's like it needs to get you to buy the book. Yes. But it also needs to get you in the mood to read the book. Yeah. And I think that's where you're talking about when even if the interior art's good, if you got into the mood for something else from the cover, that's where you can get really thrown. It's like when you think you bought a chocolate chip cookie, but then you get home and it's oatmeal raisin and you want to die. Even though you like oatmeal raisin, you're (laughs) like, this is not what I purchased. Exactly. I love oatmeal (laughs) raisin, but I don't love oatmeal raisin when I wanted chocolate chip. It's true. Yeah. I think that's the the most perfect analogy, Tia. <laughs> you, you nailed it. We're done. We solved comics again. What else do you want? I read comic books. I know. We solve comics every single episode. It's true. Why are we not the queens of comics? <laughs> well, in our hearts, we already are. <laughs> so do you have a, you want to say top three favorite covers of all time? Like if you were told... We're going to give you the original art to hang on your wall of any three covers in the history of covers. Oh, okay. So first of all, I w- disclaimer here, I do have covers hanging on my wall. I have a few framed prints that I got signed at cons that I have hanging up. Um, one is a Jenny Frisian cover from Revival. I mean, like, not an original gorgeous print, obviously, because I'm poor. <laughs> it was like a $10 print, but still. Um, hey, prints work. And another is a Hawkeye cover from and i'm completely spacing which is terrible because it's sitting like right behind me but from mm, two years ago hawkeye run um raymond perez i think is who did that yeah yeah, yeah. and it was the all- first renumber after the fraction one right yeah the, yeah the and it's the cover with the the young hawkeye he's a little boy and he's like in the fields of wheat with like the the sun coming up behind him except the sun is the bullseye for hawkeye and it's so cool yeah i know which one you mean see it's yep. iconic i know exactly it's what you so mean. perfect yes and then the revival one is the one with her standing there with the sigh and her and she's in like the kind of bulky winter sweater in front of the barn with the bloody sigh and my parents are like why do you hang this it's so creepy and I'm like it's gorgeous what are <laughs> you even gorgeous. talking about yeah so I think um if I could have the original of Jenny Frisian's uh Wonder Woman cover where she's standing there looking kind of off to the left with her spear and holding her kind of shield behind her and it's a kind of a golden background if you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. posted it to Twitter yeah. that's, that's part of the Twitter one that got this started I really love uh that one and then the revival cover she did where m cypress is in her very iconic hoodie the one that now people cosplay and kind of that that creepy thing you do with your eyes and they use this in movies and tv all the time to show someone's like not on the level where you look through like the very upper part of your eye and so you have lots of white below the eye yeah yeah um it's an easy film trick if you're ever trying to do something guys and she's standing there with her hands out and they're covered in blood. And she, oh, it's so gorgeous. She and does creepy clean and room covers too, right? I don't know. I fell off that book real hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was not a fan. Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> How about you, Tia? Yeah, I realized about three quarters of the way through that question that I was going to have to answer it too and was like, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> okay. 
I would definitely want the Kevin Wada variant for The Wicked and the Divine number three with the Morrigan and Baphomet and he's upside down and she's right side up and there's the like skull between them. I can't believe it's taken us like 25 minutes to get to Wicked and Divine covers. Look, I tried real hard, okay? <laughs> real no, but hard. they're so good. They are. I mean, you know, I, I've never actually asked Jamie about it, but they are so well thought out. They are. They're so, and they're so, again, it's that graphic design. Exactly. It's just clean and stands out and it's beautiful. His use of white space on those covers is. Yeah. And is, changing let's, them let's for the art. class. He's yeah. just, he's so good. He really yep. is. Okay. The Stephanie Hans cover for the issue of Journey in a Mystery that I was talking about earlier with. Uh, Kid Loki and Leah together all the feelings (laughs) (laughs) and now I have to think of one more and I'm like just one but but and that one and that one well I only did two so while you're thinking I'll throw out there the vision cover by Mike Del Mundo where um, it said the cover has the trash can with the parts of vision sticking out like oh yeah like the wreckage and the little poster on the trash can said here lies a vision may god have mercy on its soul my heart (laughs) that's another if you haven't read that series people you got to remedy that it's it's 12 issues you can get the whole thing now it's so perfect I was going to say I would ask for a ray fox cover but I have such a beautiful commission from him that I think that I like I have already a special Ray Fox thing. You have it in your heart already. What what did you get commissioned from him? Oh, okay. So totally random off topic. I'm doing a series of all of the Wictive gods inspired by famous works from art history. So I have a Marco Rudy commission of Persephone as Millet's Ophelia. And I have this beautiful Ray Fox Woden uh, like Andy Warhol Woden, which he, so I was going to ask him for Baphomet and then he was like, oh, I really want to do Woden. And that I, is so cool. Yeah. What it, a good idea. It's, it's so beautiful. Like he outdid himself. I feel like I just was gifted the most spectacular painting. I mean, I, I bought it, but he like, he should have charged me a lot more for how much like work and how beautiful it turned out. And just, I can't even believe how great it is. Anyway. (laughs) Anyone you get those commissions from is probably excited that you gave them something interesting to do instead of just like, please draw Wonder Woman. It's been a pretty, I've had a very positive uh, like reaction. I just commissioned um, Patrick Reynolds who does like Joe Gollum and a bunch of alien stuff. Like he does a lot of Dark Horse stuff. Um, He's doing Tara as Sergeant Madame X for me so that's gonna be beautiful yeah I've I have only a few that I haven't thought of uh artists and also like you know what artwork I'm gonna pair up with but yeah this this will be a long time the to complete because you know there's a lot of characters (laughs) (laughs) anyway okay do I have to think of a third one now too of course (sighs) why why did I put this question to you that I could not answer myself. Maybe a bitch, <laughs> probably a bitch planet cover. I have a print, but it would be neat to have like a big original, like, you know, to put right in front of my front door so when people walk in my house, they know what they're in for. That, that seems fair. 
<laughs> like I got I got a poster where it, it's like the hand flipping off the planet. So I feel like that one's pretty eloquent. Perfect. But uh, I'd love one of the ones because they look like the like old fashioned movie posters for the like exploitation films, you know, caged and enraged. <laughs> so that would be yes. cool. Bitch Planet is another series that just consistently has really good covers. I think Valentine Del- Valentine. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm sorry, Valentine Delandro. I'm sorry that I will always use the girl pronunciation because my brain is terrible and I'm terrible. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. This episode was produced by Mike Rappin with editing by Xander Riggs. The music in this show is brought to you by the best band in the universe, Infinity Shred. And if you enjoy the show, tell someone about it and rate us at your favorite podcast website, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Spread the word about this show. Don't forget to check out our Goodreads group at ircbpodcast.com slash goodreads, where we have weekly threads and book of the month discussions, plus a whole bunch of other talk about comic books and related things. You can email us at ircb at destroythesibe.org, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast for updates on this podcast, as well as weekly polls and other comic-related things. So until next time, from all of us here at the podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you.